If you will, take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. These are the last two verses in the book of James. James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. If you know anything about James, he is the half-brother of Jesus. Initially, he did not even believe that Jesus was the Son of God. You know, he and his family came down the mountainside, tried to come to the, the house where Jesus was doing some healing, and they tried to bring him home. You're out of your mind. But later on, after he rose from the grave and presented himself, James had a change of heart. It come to confess that his own half-brother was the Messiah for Israel. And this is the gospel, this is the epistle, excuse me, that James has written for us today. Very much the entire book of James is about faith, and it's about testing of our faith. And as James concludes this, his, his emphasis is very much about living the life of a believer, living a life of faith. And when we think about living a life of faith, a life of faith is not a life of perfection. A life of faith comes with the ups and the downs, the successes of overcoming sin and the failures of succumbing to sin. It's a roller coaster of life. But the thing that keeps us on the track is the grace of God and His forgiveness. And so as we look at this today, we think about what James is writing in lieu of, of the coming and going, the ups and the downs in the life of the believer. How our faith is tested at different times. When we want the flesh to override the spirit. And we want to do what the flesh says to do. Whether it be to succumb to sin or to say something you shouldn't. Or which can be sin obviously as well. But to do different things that satisfies the flesh. But yet disregards the holiness of the Father in your life. To be mindful of those things. James is writing to us there in verses 19 and 20. I'm going to read both those verses and I'm going to jump off from there. James chapter 5 verses 19 and 20 concludes this little epistle by James. It reads like this from the New King James. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. As we look at this scripture, we first see that James says, brethren. So obviously, James is talking to a group of confessed believers in Jesus Christ. Brethren means that you've got a bond, a family bond. And he says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. So we know that there are those that may wander from time to time from the truth. We want people to stay in the truth. Where is the truth? The truth is the word of God. The truth is not the opinion of Blake. It's not the opinion of anyone else. Every, it's, I've heard one preacher say opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. But we've got to have the word of God in our life. That is the truth that we return to. We come back to the Word of God. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and anyone among you 
is the body, the gathered body of Christ. And that's specifically more to the autonomous local church. I can't speak to somebody who's going to another church and what they're going through. I mean, I'm your pastor. I should, if you need me, I should be able to speak to you. We should be able to talk. We should be able to handle things. But if it's for somebody else's church, I don't know them very well. So I can't really speak to their lives. I mean, I can, through the Word of God, truth in that way. But I can't speak to them because I don't know them. But we should know one another. We are a local body. We are hands, fingers, fingernails, and toenails. We're all the good and the bad that makes up the body. But that's us. And we should be able to talk to one another. And if someone is having a victory in life, we should all celebrate it. If someone's struggling in life, we should all pray for it. And be there for that person in that time of need. But so many times in the church, we'd much rather hide our pains and our sorrows and our guilts and try to deal with it in isolation, which is exactly what the devil wants you to do. And then wander from the truth, which is the body of Christ is built by Christ for His glory so that the body may stay healthy. We are to do that. We are to be together. And if we see someone wandering from the truth. Galatians 6.1 says this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in gentleness. In gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You need to, we do need to be aware if they're wandering. And if someone is overtaken in a trespass, we who are spiritual, those of us who have dedicated our lives to Christ, that are a part of the body, we should come together and lift them up. And it says to do this, restore them in gentleness. It's not to berate them. I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to talk through some different things here in just a moment. But there's, there's ways to handle those in gentleness that have wandered from the truth. So the first thing I want to talk about today is stages of wandering. There are stages of wandering. And I've seen this in my own life. I've been a youth pastor for many years. I've seen this in students' lives. I've seen it in their parents' lives. I've seen it in church. I've seen this. There are stages of wandering. The first stage of wandering is this. It's forsaking time with God. If you want to know how to wander from the truth, forsake time with God. Quit spending time with him. That's first off personal time. It's forsaking time with God in your personal life. It's forsaking time in prayer. It's forsaking time in personal Bible study. It's forsaking time in personal worship to the Lord. You want to wonder from God? Forsake those things. Quit praying. Quit reading your Bible. And quit worshiping God. Let every care of the world overcome you. You just succumb to those things. Let those things flood your life. Let every single post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be, let that just rule your life. And you're going to find out real quick how far you're going to get from God. When you forsake time with God in your personal time through prayer, Bible study, and worship. Another way of wandering, forsaking time with God through corporate times of worship. You forsake time on Sundays. Well, you know what? I'm just too tired. I just can't go today. My, my pinky toe hurts a little bit. You know, 
uh, so-and-so down the street says they needs some help doing something. That's nice. Help them after you go to church. You know, whatever the reason is, we, we, will, we will forsake time with God by forsaking our Sundays. Everything's more important. And in a day of travel this and travel that, whether it be travel baseball, softball, basketball, blah, 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 you name it, or just travel, period, we're going to end up forsaking time with God. And then we wonder, why do I have no strength in my spiritual life? Why do I succumb to every temptation, that, that, that every evil desire that comes up out of me that the devil knows is my tripping point? Why is it that I succumb to this? Well, you ain't been in church in forever. And you, part of the reason why you ain't been in church is because you've forsaken personal prayer time. You've forsaken personal worship time. You've forsaken personal Bible study time. And that's the reason why you don't go to church. I don't see the point in church. I can be a Christian at the house. Well, sure you can, but you sure can be a weak one. You ever watch those nature shows where, like, you show all these packs of gazelles running along? Well, you got one tagging along. Well, here comes the lion. Whack. The Bible says, 1 Peter 5, I think it's verse 8, it says, For your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion uh, prowling around seeking someone to devour. You say, I could be a Christian without church. Yeah, you can, but you're going to be an injured and a weak one. And unfortunately, possibly a dead one. You need to be a part of being at church. You need to be in a part of worship. You need to be a part in a Sunday school where you've got a smaller group of people who know. It's like I was talking to our group Wednesday night. I said, there's times when somebody might not be here one Sunday. And I don't, I don't, recognize, I don't see it. Two Sundays, I might catch it. Hopefully, I will catch it. We don't have a gigantic congregation. Hopefully, I'll catch it. But three weeks out, as a Sunday school teacher, and then as a pastor, we need to be contacting folks if they're out three or four weeks. We need to be aware of that. If not, that, that, they're getting off from the pack. And we need to get them back in. Everything, we need to get back into that. Sundays with the corporate time, Wednesdays on a corporate time, and then opportunities for growth or fellowship. If you have those times, be a part of it. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to see any value in the corporate time if you're not seeing any value in your personal time. You've got to be a Christian in your own heart for you need to be a functioning part in the body. You've got to be a Christian. You've got to be growing. You need to be studying and, and praying and, and being a part of personal worship. Where You're like, well, I don't even understand what it means to have personal worship. Turn on K-Love. Turn on 93.7. Listen to a couple of songs. Sing along with it. Get familiar with it. We might be singing it on Sunday pretty soon, too. How about that? You know what I mean? Benefit for Sunday mornings. So listen to those things. And then study your Bible. Get a, get a Bible app that will help you. version Bible app. Get it. It's got devotions. I mean, a plethora of devotions all through the version Bible app. Get the Fighter Verses app. And, and you can memorize Scripture. I quoted that Scripture just a moment ago out of 1 Peter. Because I've been working on it. But we've got, that's the first stage of wandering. is forsaking time with God. The second stage is listening to false teachers or doctrines. You're listening to folks that you don't need to be listening to. And listen, there's plenty of voices out there that want your attention, that some of them even want your money. You know, they want your money more than they want your, your ministry. Listen, God wants your ministry. He wants your heart. He, he'll, you know, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He don't have to have your money. 
That's a gracious offering of worship when you give your money. God wants you. And when He gets you and all of you, you'll give in whatever way that be, whether your time, your talents, your money, whatever it may be, you'll give then because you've given your heart to Him. But you've got to quit listening to false teachers. You can't listen to them or false doctrines. You don't need to be listening to ungodly wisdom. And you need to be listening to godly wisdom. You know, if you've been in Sunday school recently, much of our conversations have been about the people not listening to godly advice. You need to be listening to godly advice and wisdom. And then lastly, in that stage of wondering, is desiring one's own will over the will of God. That's how people wonder from God. That first verse there in James 5, 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, that happens by forsaking time with God, listening to false teachers or doctrines, not listening to godly wisdom and advice, and desiring one's own will over the will of God. That are, those are the four stages of wandering uh, from the truth. Now, the truth is the word of God. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. God's word is truth, and we wonder from that. But listen, if someone turns him back, someone who is spiritual, as Galatians 6, 1 said, brethren, if a man is overtaking any trespass, you who are spiritual, because if you're not spiritual, if you're weak in your faith, and you try to turn back somebody who is uh, overtaking a trespass, you're very likely to get overtaken in it with them. You're going to get sucked down in it, whether it's gossip or... or or hateful speech, or uh, whatever it may be, you're going to get sucked into it too. You better be mindful of that. Why do we? Because first off, we can't forsake personal time with the Lord. Or else we're going to get sucked back into it. Verse 20 says, Let him know. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Let him know. He has shared in a good thing. If you look in Galatians 6, 6 through 10, it says this, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Sounds kind of similar to what I preached on last week, huh? That corruption and everything. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So let him know. Let, let that brother know that who is trying to turn back the wandering soul. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death that cover a multitude of sin. Let him know. This is an encouragement. Let him know. You can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit to redirect someone who's wandered from the truth. Don't say, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Well, you might not because you're not spiritual. You ain't spent time in the Word. You've forsaken time with God. But if you have spent time with God, you would have the words to say. And the Bible tells us that when, when the time arises for you to give an answer for what you believe, the Holy Spirit will help you know what to say. But if you're not in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's probably not very strong in you, and there's probably a lot of sin clogging the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work. You've got to confess your sin. 
And in that way, the Holy Spirit can have his full usage of your body as a noble instrument for God's uh, purpose. You need to allow that to happen so you can turn someone back. Well, how do you turn someone back? How do you turn someone back? Well, this is what I would recommend. You go after them. I mean, you go after that person. If someone's caught in sin, don't say, well, too bad. I guess the devil got them. Shucks. You know? If you see somebody who's struggling to sin, love them. Go after them. This is what, what, what this uh, does and does not mean to go after somebody. To turn someone back. What this does and does not mean. What it does mean, it means that you advise them. You counsel them. I mean, just like what I've talked about just a moment, a moment ago. You give them wise, godly counsel. You advise them. You encourage them. You encourage them, not in what they're doing, but you encourage them through the Word of God. You encourage them in Christ. You encourage them. And you pray for them. But listen, we can't do everything disconnected from them. You need to go to them. That's the reason why I go after them. Sometimes it's more than just, you know, so it's so dealing with this. Let's pray for them. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. There's power in prayer. Nothing against it. But sometimes you need to call them. Sometimes you need to go to them. Sometimes you need to take them out to eat and talk with them. Face to face. You can't just put the little care emoji on their Facebook post and think, oh, that's going to solve all their issues. They might not even see that. They might not even care. That, that sounds crazy. But that's not, that's not going to fix their need. It's not going to fix their hurt. We've got to go after them. And what do we do? We advise them, we encourage them, we pray for them. Let me tell you what we do not do when we go after them. Which is commonplace for, that happens often. What this does not mean is to berate them. How could you ever do that? That's such a terrible choice. Why'd you do that? Who'd you hang out with? Hey, back off. Back off. I'm, you know, I understand. I've made a mistake. I've sinned. Don't berate me about it. I, most people already feel bad enough about their sin already. If they've truly got a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's already convicted them. That you, they don't need you to be their Holy Spirit. If they're saved by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit's already telling them you've made a mistake. You've sinned against God. You need to get that right. So don't berate them. Don't speak down to them. What are you? You sorry? All you ever do is make bad choices. You're terrible. Well, that's a great Christian attitude to have. That's, that's another way. You do not go after them to berate them. You don't go after them to speak down to them. And listen, of, of a time, if we've ever heard this before, you don't discard them. A more familiar term in today's society is cancel them, whatever it may be. You don't discard somebody or cancel them because they've sinned, because they've wandered from the truth. You go to them and you say, and you show them grace, just as God through Christ showed you grace. Just as you have forgiven, be, forgive. So we need to understand these things and in, in, in in how to turn someone back. You go after them. What you do, you advise, you encourage, you pray for them. All in love and with gentleness, as Galatians 6.1 says. And then what you do not do is berate them, speak down to them, or discard them. At one time, everyone, we, we've all sinned in different ways. 
And our sin has different consequences on this earth. But if we break one command, we are guilty of breaking them all. So we need to be cautious in how quickly we throw somebody off. Be careful about how quickly you discard them, berate them, or talk down to them. You shouldn't do that at all. But be very mindful about how we should respond. Look there, verse 20. That he let him know, let the one who's making the effort to turn this, this person from wonderful truth, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So here are the promises, of a rep- uh, promises to the repentant sinner. His soul will be saved from death. Now, they're turned back to the, to the way of truth. They've wandered. Some language, you know, we've used this language in Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, a backslider. They have, they have backslidden, in which I believe is kind of what it's talking about. It's not that they don't know the truth or they've not experienced the truth. It's just they're wandering. Just like a sheep is still part of a sheep's fold, it's not that it's not any part of the fold anymore. It's just wandered away. So you got to go get it. But he will save a soul from death. What does that mean? That could possibly mean an early physical death. You may have known someone who's made a poor choice in life. They might have went out and something bad's happened in their life. In a relationship, they went out, they gotten drunk. And unfortunately, because they made a poor choice in this situation, it led to a poor choice and an unfortunate ending for a life. And if you know of somebody who's struggling in such an instance like that, be mindful. You can go to them. But also be mindful if you're going to someone in a situation like that, sometimes you might need to take somebody with you. Because you don't want to get trapped up in something that you don't know how to get out of. Be mindful of that. His soul will be saved from death. And obviously this is an eternal death. Is specifically what James is talking about. You could save a soul from an eternal death. A death that separates them from Christ for all of eternity. It also says that this person who turns back to the truth, it'll cover a multitude of sins because of repentance, because this person will repent. Listen, your sins don't get covered unless you repent. Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, Mark 1.15. Repent, turn away. 1 John 1.9, that if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when, when it says, he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins, that's what it's talking about. 1 Peter 4.8 says, love will cover a multitude of sins. And when we go to that individual in love, not in judgment, not in, not in a berating way, not in a way to cast down on that person, not a way to cancel or discard that person, but to go to them in love, it will cover a multitude of sins. And whose love actually covers the sins? Not our love, but Christ's love will cover that sin. But it's because we have been redeemed by the love of Christ. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's because we go in his love that we're able to do any kind of service that glorifies God and does the work of God that is sufficient to turn the wandering soul from the, from the way of falsehood to truth. So we turn to Christ. So two promises of the repentant sinner is his soul will be saved from death 
and his uh, multitude of sins are covered, it's because of repentance. It's because of confession. Not the person who turns him back, but the person who, is, who has wandered must do those things. If someone comes down here to this front and says, I want to confess Jesus Christ as Lord in my life, or they say, I need to make a decision, or what decision do you need to make? I can't make the decision for you. Your mom, your dad can't make the decision for you. This is an individual heart-to-heart decision to follow after Christ. Will you turn away from sin? Will you repent and confess Christ is Lord?